Well, it's good to be back. Um, let's see. We ha we've had fantastic worship. We've already had a water baptism. And then, to top it off, a wedding. Oh, and Sal, that's right. Hey, by the way, if you prayed that prayer, you need to see Pastor Dick after the service. Uh, you know, there's some, some good help that you can have, next steps that are necessary. Anyway, salvation, right? Wedding, now you got me. Uh, I'm sorry about that. But I bring big love. My wife and I, being big love from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I want to talk about what I call the big hug. We've had a water baptism. That's an am amazing visual for, you know, kind of what I want to talk about. But I, I want to begin by just saying that, you know, we look around today for what it means to be a mature human being, a whole person. And to be honest with you, we don't find much. If they're around, they're not easy to spot. There's plenty of rich, famous, Powerful, talented, entertaining, influential, smart, beautiful people around, but where are the mature people that we can point to and say they get life right and they live maturely? Well, for this, you're going to have to look at Jesus. Okay. Now, what was the secret of the healthy, vibrant, mature life that he lived? See, um, Jesus' public life really flowed out from, from within. It really flowed from his healthy, personal, inner life. See? The interior condition of his soul. And this healthy condition, inner condition, allowed, allowed his father in heaven through the Spirit of God, to manage his life here on earth. You see, Jesus developed the habit of, and I'm going to say this word, and it's going to bring chills to your spine. I know it will. But Jesus developed the habit of self-denial. Like, man, it just makes me shiver. And that's because self-denial is 
way, way misunderstood by most of us. You see, self, you know, it's not some masochistic or self-abusing thing. Or pretending that we're someone or something that we really are not. It's, It's not some moralistic censorship of joy and pleasure in life. No. It's a way of life. Now listen to me carefully. Self-denial is a way of life that believes that self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-security cannot ever, ever bring true joy or genuine well-being. It can never, ever bring us to our true, best, mature selves. See, the self-denial that Jesus taught and practiced himself was uh, a total surrender and reliance upon his heavenly Father's goodness. That's a different ballgame. See, and, and that total reliance, relinquishing of self to God's goodness, a God that has your best interests always at heart, is the, es- is the essence of faith and trust that makes the Christian life work. It's, it's being so convinced that God is good and only good and nothing but good all the time. It, it, it's being so secure in our Heavenly Father's love that we can let go and hand over control of our lives to the Holy Spirit. And what that takes, what that means is uh, putting away these false ideas, these false notions of self and feelings about how to live life. Most of us sitting here today have been taught to live lives of stiff self-reliance. That's what it means to grow up. You can make your own bed, do your own wash, make your own decisions. You're a grown-up. Living from strength to strength and muscling our way through any adversity, any obstacles that we come across or come across us in life. Right? I mean, it's the independent American way. We can't help it. That's just the way we've been brought up. 
But it turns out to be the way of alienation and anxiety because it doesn't work. Now the secret of Jesus' success boiled down to an intimate, life-securing relationship of love and trust that he shared with his father. And this is best illustrated in Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Mark <coughs> writes, reports it this way. At this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The moment he came out of the water, he saw the sky split open, man, and God's spirit, looking like a dove, come down on him, along with the spirit of voice. You are my son, chosen and marked by my love. Pride of my life. Whew. Now, this particular episode in Jesus' life has been called by some theologians the central event because it holds such a critical place in Jesus' earthly life. Now, this episode... You got to, folks, in order to get everything I think that is here, <clears throat> you got to understand that this episode focuses on Jesus' humanity. Yes, Jesus, he, you know, the incarnation means he was 100% God at the same time being 100% man. Now, how that works, I can't explain it. <clears throat> it's the incarnation. But one thing I do know, that he was human. He, Jesus, experienced life in this, in, while well, he was on earth, the way you and I <clears throat> experience life. He had emotions. He, he got physical fatigue. Everything he experienced, life the way we do with no advantage. He wasn't Superman in that sense. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, faster than a speeding bullet, all that. He was human, relying on his Father and the Holy Spirit, the way you and I have to learn to rely. So this is, this is you got to keep that in mind now so that you won't get mad at what I say next. Now, I don't think it's too, too much of a stretch to think that Jesus <clears throat> is coming to the Jordan River to be baptized. He's coming. This is his, his, his public ministry has not yet started. It's about to happen. This is the okay card. This is the big moment. I think he comes to the Jordan in human weakness. And perhaps, hold your breath, even apprehensive 
of what lies ahead. Do you understand that the, that the, the fate of the universe rests on his shoulders? He is going to redeem creation, the world. It all rests on him. Would you be a little nervous? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Keep that in mind. So he comes with a little apprehension. That doesn't mean sin. That doesn't mean in disobedience. He's coming to the Jordan to step up. Remember that. And so, I think in need of a little assurance, some encouragement, a big hug. Right? And what does he get? He gets everything his human heart required. The big hug that we all need in, in, in moments in our life. And many of us never got it. Just the hope that you're going to be okay. I'm proud of you. Don't worry. You know, I know you feel bad about yourself, but I'm proud of you. You belong to me. Huh? So, the Spirit descends upon him, and he receives the touch, the touch that he needs. The Father speaks, and he hears the words he needs to hear. And he's baptized. And that word baptized means to immerse, to be saturated in something, right? We sat the candidates in water, and they were immersed, covered, surrounded, drowned, dipped, what do you want to call it, in the water. Here, Jesus is baptized, not just in the water of the Jordan. He is being baptized in the love of his Father. This is a baptism of love. <clears throat> and guess what? His identity is secured. Any anxiety or apprehension is overcome by this love. He knows who he is and what he's, his purpose in this life is. I searched for that for you. You know, into my early adulthood as a 20-year-old, I didn't even know who I was. I searched for some kind of per I felt like I was just drifting because I never got the big hug. I didn't know, I didn't know who I was. And so I started looking into drugs. I, you know, the only time I felt like I, I felt like I, I, I had any kind of, you know, I felt good about myself. It was when I was high or I had a girl on my, on my arm or something like that. You know what I mean? Because I didn't feel good. I, I needed that big hug, and I never got it. Jesus gets it. See? He has no need at this point 
no, <clears throat> from this point on, he has no need to compromise. He doesn't have to perform for acceptance. He can't be bought. He can't be intimidated. He's free to trust his father's goodness like the birds and the flowers of the field. He doesn't have to worry. See? He's able to trust his father's goodness and generosity completely. He's empowered for life and ministry, not by sheer ego or, you know, resourcefulness or, you know, hard work, but by love and the spirit. He's, he's free to exercise obedient, spirit-prompted, mountain-moving faith. Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen, I don't know if, uh, how many have heard, he's a writer, he's not alive anymore, but if you could read anything by him, he's just a wonderful uh, Christian writer. Talk, and he talks a lot about the inner life, right? So he, th he's, he commented on the big hug here. This, the baptism of Jesus, he said this, this event, the baptism of Jesus, reveals the true identity of Jesus. Jesus is the beloved of God. This spiritual truth will guide all his thoughts, words, and actions from this point forward. This is the rock on which his compassionate ministry will be built. Now here's the thing. You and I were created for this. To have our lives built on, grounded deep into the Father's love. Jesus said this, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. He goes on to say, as the Father has loved me, the big hug, as the Father has loved me, you are my pride and joy. You're the apple of my eye. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. What Jesus got, you get. We get. I have told you this so that my joy, the pleasure, the satisfaction, the peace of mind that I enjoy myself, may be in you. Why? Because you're getting the same big hug. And that your joy 
may be complete. Chew on that. Try to have a bad day after thinking about that for a while. I'll, ne I'll never, ever, ever get my mind completely around that for me. That I am so completely loved. But I'm glad. Henry Nouwen, he says this again, same guy. He says, this is the blessing that sustained Jesus during his life. Jesus came into the world to share that blessing with us. Now, Paul himself wrote about that. He referred to the big hug when he wrote about the spirit of adoption in Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. And he changes the, the, the image here, but he's talking about the same experience. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit who receive, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit who <coughs> you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Uh, that's old English, you know, you become a child of God. Ladies, men, all of us. Beloved children of God. That's what he's saying there. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Who cried out, Abba, Father? Jesus himself, Papa. And now we have that same experience. We get that in on that same relationship. See, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself here testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that this thing is real. You might not understand it here, but you know it here. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, what I want to bring your attention to is this whole idea, you know, Paul is referring to Roman adoption. And what that actually meant in the, in, the, in the original language when they talked about adoption, it meant the placing of a child in the presence of his father. They're being presented. In order, they're being presented. Jesus was being presented. You and I have been presented by the Spirit in the presence of the father. Right? In order to receive, they're going to be adopted. They're going to receive a blessing. This adoption is a blessing of a new family, a new name, a new identity, and a whole new future. That's what it was all about. And so what Paul is talking about is this the Spirit gives us convincing inner evidence that we're loved by our Heavenly Father. 
It takes a long time for that to sink in. But from the very beginning, he starts to pound it into us. You are loved. You are loved. But many of us, even if, you know, after we get saved, we, we're not convinced of that. But the Holy Spirit keeps it up, keeps it up, keeps it up until you get it. See? And, and this, this is a knowing that's deeper than our head knowledge because most of us can't even believe. How could I be? Like I said, it, I, it's hard for me to get my head around this, but I know it. <clears throat> the Spirit puts us intimately in the presence of the Father, the way Jesus in this moment in the Jordan was intimately in the presence of his Father, delivering the inner assurance that we're accepted and we're approved by you know, as beloved children by our Heavenly Father. See? It's intensely personal and intimate. It, 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 it moves us to cry, Abba, Father. The way Jesus did. Securing our souls, addressing all I'm telling you, it touches all our basic human needs for identity, for love, for belonging, and for purpose in our lives. What we've been created for, what we go searching for, what this world is searching for. Now, I know what I'm about to tell you might not fit into your whatever nice, neat, theological or doctrinal salvation boxes that you might have. I'm sorry. There's a lot of mystery involved in Christianity. I just have to let you know. The full realization, the full reality of the big hug doesn't necessarily penetrate our, heart, our human hearts and minds at the moment we give our lives to Jesus. Although it can, and it has happened to many Christians. But the fact is that this baptism of love, for whatever reason, remains missing from the lives of many believers after their conversion. They're going to get to heaven. They're going to be that love by God. But they still suffer from, from insecurity, uh, poor self-identity, all these struggles. Even after they become a Christian. I don't know why. You know, I don't know why. But that's my story. See? It somehow escaped me even after I had been given my life to Christ. I knew Jesus as my Savior but for some unknown reason, I hadn't experienced God as my loving father. And it left me, even years after, I was already in the ministry. It, it, it left me an immature, defensive, and insecure young pastor. Unsure of myself. Performing for love and acceptance, you know, prone, prone to moodiness and anger, you know, 
difficult to get along with, especially if you disagreed or, God forbid, criticized me. And this eventually caught up to me, got me in hot water with my congregation. I had a mutiny on my hand. And I was at a retreat, a pastor retreat, and I confessed it to a group of pastors. I confessed that I had made a mess of things in my church. And one of the pastors there, a spiritual father himself, looked at me. He says, Mike, you need the father's love. I knew that he was hitting something. And they prayed for me, for me to receive the father's love. That place deep in my soul, previously untouched by the Father's love, was invaded by the Spirit. It felt like I was getting saved all over again. It was touching something that had never been touched before. I felt the Father's warm, loving touch descend upon me. I heard an inner an inner, a convincing inner voice of the Spirit affirming my identity as a loved son. The tears flowed. The love flowed. Now, this didn't change me overnight, but, but it began a process, a transformation that previously hadn't happened. The craving for acceptance, along with the insecurity and anger that it produced, gradually subsided. I wasn't so angry anymore. I wasn't so defensive anymore. I was easier to get along with. I treated people better. You know? I became more settled, less compulsive and driven, and mu you know, much easier to be around. My identity was settled. I was convinced that I was loved. It rested on a, on a new foundation, my, my heavenly father's unconditional love for me. My faith and confidence in God's goodness grew. I was able to let go and trust him more fully. I became more secure. I, I was... Uh, able to hand over more and more control to the Spirit and see him work in and through my life. I began to mature, grow up as a person, as a human being. This central event of the Father's powerful love, the big hug, is available to all of us. And, and, and by the way, I have to tell you that I don't think that this was an isolated event in Jesus' life. I think that the big hug was something that he normally, ex he regularly experienced. Can you, you remember the, 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 the transfiguration? I think that this was, a, you know, at certain periods of his life, he needed encouragement, and so do we. So this is not a one-time deal. But 
It's the key to becoming a mature person and living a healthy, fruitful life. What happened to Jesus in the Jordan is to happen to us. Jesus prayed that in his upper room. Remember his high priestly prayer? He prayed this for all the disciples that would ever to come after these 12 that were with him. He prayed this, oh, oh righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you, you sent me. I have revealed them to you and I will continue to do so up until this very moment right now here in Laconia, right here in this room. Then your love for me, the big hug that he experienced in the Jordan River will be in them and I will be in them. This is a continuing work of the Spirit. This is what many of us sitting here this morning were experiencing. It's available. Jesus is here by his spirit to connect you more personally, more intimately to the Father's love than maybe you've previously experienced. All you have to do is be honest. Recognize your need and step into the Jordan and be baptized in his love right now. 